It's time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. You heard it. It is time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Gray, here with my co-host, Tom Abbey. Yes, good to be back in the Hammered Sports Lounge. I had a little hiatus last week here. Yeah, I had uh, a little work traveling, but I'm, I'm glad to be back here. Uh, both of us have uh, had a little time on the road here over the last uh, week or so. You spent some time in uh, beautiful Little Rock, Arkansas. Yes, I did. Which uh, had to be kind of a fun little trip for you. I mean, did get to see a, a portion of the country you haven't been to before. Absolutely. Definitely never been uh, to Arkansas or Little Rock before, so it was definitely a little different. It's weird how when you travel like that, there's some similarities that feel like comforting in home, and there's some things that are so foreign. They're just they're so weird. Yeah. I spent um, the last four days in uh, Norwalk, Connecticut for my job. Um, got to see some, you know, different, a little different section of the country. I hadn't really spent any time in Connecticut previously. Um, but it was, you know, I, I went and checked out a bunch of pizza joints, uh, sampled the food, made sure that I made the most out of trying food in a different area which is like my favorite thing to do when i travel i don't know about you did you get a chance a chance to sample any of the local food in arkansas maybe some barbecue in that area of the world yeah we uh we definitely went out to eat a lot we hit up quite a few different um we hit some barbecue joints i had a really good pizza believe it or not in little rock uh might have been the best pizza i've ever had with a pink sauce which is like a spicy red sauce and it was a little like almost like creamier it it was really really good and uh yeah yeah you you can't there to me there's nothing better than sampling foods that are local to an area or things that they're really passionate about so i had a lot of fun out in uh in norwalk um and uh now we're back here in the hammered sports lounge where we belong together on a thursday night uh enjoying a few cocktails uh the fruits of my victory of st louis (laughs) yes Coming out on top of your Dallas Renegades. Yeah. I don't know if we're going to call them my Dallas Renegades, but yes, the, the team I thought would well, be a lot they're better. definitely my St. Louis Battlehawks. <laughs> so. um, yeah, I was I was proud to see the kind of team that I expected. We talked about a, a grinded-out, hammer-it kind of physical football team, and they ran the ball more than any other team in the XFL last weekend, so I was ecstatic to see that. Um, so that was a lot of fun. On a sad note, I went 0-2 in my selections that I made. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, granted, the the one was a, an extraordinary long shot. Right, it was definitely worth the money if she pulled it off. But um, she was uh, outclassed, and we'll yeah. we'll get into that obviously a little Here later a when we yeah. talk about it. But uh, the Chukagian, you know, she came in, she gave a spirited effort, but was clearly outclassed in that fight when it came to battling on the feet. I expected her to try to use some some more wrestling, but again, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, as well as we'll talk about the the Tampa Bay Vipers and uh, their no-show performance. Uh, They were predicted by many to be the best team in the XFL, and they lost 23-3 at New York. Uh, Well, New York, New Jersey. I mean, I know you Buffalo fans are sensitive about that. Yeah, it is New Jersey, the New Jersey Guardians. Um, You you have to – you play there, that's what you have to call yourself. So Yeah. So um, on the show tonight, Tom, give us a quick rundown of what we're looking at. All right, so we are going to review UFC 247, uh, and we're going to review XFL Week 1. We're going to talk a little bit about that, and then we're going to start looking forward. We're going to preview XFL Week 2. We're going to talk about the NBA All-Star festivities this weekend. Um, We do have a little bit of a UFC card coming up. 
Um, nothing to get too excited about. We're going to talk about that. And then we're going to close the show talking a little NFL quarterback carousel. Um, definitely worth mentioning. It's a little early, um, but there's so much going on. I feel like we need to get out ahead of this and have a little conversation. Did you see uh, Sal Capaccio tweeted out yesterday, I think it was, his prediction for the starting quarterback on opening day for all 32 teams next season? No, I didn't see it. Is it crazy? It was fun. It was really, yeah. it was really fun to look at. And you know, you got to give Sal a lot of credit. This guy is, you know, he's doing local media here essentially, and he is uh, really world class. And I'm shocked that he hasn't been picked up on the national level yet. He's as good as they get when it comes to uh, local media. But I think he's got a nice series. I think he's a Buffalo guy and enjoys being a Buffalo guy. Yeah, we definitely love having him. I know that. Uh... You know, even my son loves when Sal comes on. He gets excited about him. Um, he's also very friendly. I've met him a few times in at Buffalo events. He's always been really nice. So Yeah, we uh, took our youth football team on the field there, and uh, he was out walking the, the field prior to a preseason game. And I said, hey, Sal. And he just looked over and gave me kind of the wink and the gun kind of thing. Yeah. And, you know, he's just a super friendly guy and engages with people constantly on social media. And he really is such a value to have for – uh, an organization like the Bills, and, and you know, even yeah. though he's not part of the Buffalo Bills, he's part of the Buffalo Bills fandom and, and landscape here in Western New York. Yeah, the Bills have been pretty lucky. They had Joe Biscalia, who is different than Sal. Joe's very much analytical, numbers driven, and gives you that. But then, we, you know, then you have Sal, who very much has a good feel for the game and the, especially the team and what they're trying to do. So we've really been kind of spoiled with local media. Um, in the Buffalo area for football. No question. Uh, so without further ado, let's get started on the show tonight. Um, we'll talk about UFC 247 first. It was a big pay-per-view uh, headlined by John Jones taking on Dominic Reyes. Yeah. And um, let's start with the Shevchenko-Chukagian yeah. fight, though, and then we'll get into Jones and Reyes. So sure. um, what did you see, Tom? Yeah, I think, uh, like you mentioned before, um, Shevchenko is just so she's so good um she can do a little bit of everything um she's she's really strong at, at that weight class she's able to keep people off of her uh she's obviously a very good striker got the kickboxing background um it, it's gonna be tough to beat her the only person that's really given her fits is nunez and what are you gonna do we may be seeing them fight again here soon so yeah you know, I was watching the fight with uh, my beautiful fiance Stephanie, and she is new to the UFC watching world. Um, over the last several months, she's picked up, you know, watching it a little mm -hmm. bit with me. We've we've seen a lot of fights together now, and uh, she had the greatest reaction to the head kick from Shevchenko. Yeah. Uh, Shevchenko kicks Chukagian in the head, and the Vaseline that had been put in the cut that was yeah. in uh, that was in Chukagian's over her left eye just went flying. And Stephanie melted from the couch right to the floor. She's like, oh, God, let's get the men back on. I can't watch this anymore. <laughs> and yeah. uh, it was just hilarious to see and, and fun to see someone else that's learning about the sport and watching it and enjoying it. So uh, that, that was that was the highlight of my night watching the fights. Yeah, um, MMA is a great sport because there's a lot to it. You know, at the surface, it's, you know, you're, it's fairly simplistic. But there's so many details that go into each each segment of it. You know, the the grappling, um, the jujitsu, the the striking, the kickboxing, the boxing. Like, there's so many intricacies to all of it 
that when you put it together and it becomes MMA, it's really fun to watch. And you're always like, you know, Kevin and I have been watching this for 15 years now and you still are learning new things and seeing things like, wow, that's crazy. I've never seen anyone do that before. Approaching 15 years together. And yes. both of us were a fan prior to, to even knowing one another. So it was, um, for me to watch the transformation of the sport from the early days where it was, you know, essentially a blood sport where you were just yeah. putting in the best, the, the biggest, the, it, there were no weight classes, no regulations yeah, and the foresight of the Fertitas and, and Dana White eventually to get involved and create a regulated sport that, um, had legs. Yeah. Had legs. It's grown. It's, mar- it's marketable that way, you know, and to see the guys go from, uh, just the pure strikers, uh, the Chuck Liddell's of the world back then. Um, you know, obviously he was kind of second generation. I think probably yeah. that second generation. Yeah, even before that, you know, it, the the original was a lot of takedown. The ground and pound was it. You know, you guys got you got guys like Mark Coleman just taking people to the ground, wearing shoes in the in the cage, yeah, and for leverage and just holding people there, beating them up, wearing them down, and then you went into these guys like Chuck Liddell who could clear clear his hips. And can't get taken down. And, oh, by the way, he's going to punch or kick you in the face. And that's yeah. the end of it. And just seeing – and now we're into – these guys are so well-rounded. Guys and girls and, are And obviously so there, were, there was always Hoist Gracie. Yes. Uh, and that Gracie family of jiu-jitsu, which UFC is just – yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. I mean, what those guys can do to neutralize damage that they take, mm-hmm. it, particularly early on, was amazing. Uh, but what an, a beautiful art form jujitsu is in my eyes. Yeah, I mean, it, it's to take someone who is at such a physical disadvantage. I mean, I don't care what you have to say. You put him up next to some of the guys he beat in the cage. He's smaller, weaker, uh, not as fast. But the ability to have a skill set that trumps all of that is it's it's amazing. And, you know, they really kind of got away from some of that when they got rid of the geese being allowed to be used. Yeah. Um, you know, that was a big advantage in being able to hold his own gi and just kind of like use that to hold on to people. Um, but it needed to happen, obviously, as we, again, change it to a regular sport with weight classes and more rules and, you know, getting athletic commissions to sponsor and, and kind of be in on this. And that's what's taken it to the next level and allowed them to be at the pinnacle of, of sports now. Yeah, you know, while we were watching UFC the other night, Steph made a poignant comment while we were watching the Chukagian fight. She's like, just look at the difference between the two athletes and the way that they're they're fighting each other. You could see that she didn't, you know, have the the words of a of a, a UFC sure. uh, veteran uh, fan who would you know talk about quick twitch muscles and the the quick response and the way that she uh, Shevchenko snaps off her kicks, but it was visible early on to her right. who was the the dominant fighter in that match. Yeah. And it's not the same when we transition now to John Jones and Dominic Reyes. You know, there wasn't that clear definition early on, and I think that's what made that fight exciting in the beginning is Reyes was giving as good as he got and maybe even more so in the first round. Um, he, I, he caught Jones a few times, and, you know, Jones can take a punch. We've seen it a bunch of times, and he never really looks like he's in trouble, even though he does take a few, few licks. Um, and it just seemed like Jones outlasted him and, uh, before we came on air, we were just talking. Uh, John Jones stirred the pot a little bit, saying that people shouldn't be blaming the refs for Reyes's loss. Uh, Dom should be blaming his uh, his training staff for not getting him ready to go five rounds. Uh, yeah, and 
my whole point uh, regarding the scoring of that fight is you can't change hands. A title can't change hands from a guy backing up for five rounds. It, he, he just didn't make enough forward aggression in that fight to win. That That's what, what it really came down to. And when you have boxing judges watching UFC, MMA of any sort, those guys, they that ring control means a lot to them. The guy is moving forward constantly, and he just wasn't completely picked apart because he did some damage too. Right. So, though Reyes probably landed the cleaner and sharper and stronger punches, Jones landed enough while going far forward the entire time to get the benefit of the doubt as the champion. Yeah, I think uh, it comes back to one of our all-time favorites, Ric Flair. To be the man, you have to beat the man. Woo! And and just going the distance doesn't get it done. Um, and I, I think that when you look at the scoring for the UFC, and there's a lot of different ideas right now being thrown around about how they can change that, I think the most obvious one is having specific judges for MMA instead of boxing judges. I mean, there's so much more to it that if you're just a boxing judge, sure, you can watch it, but there's people with lifetime of experience that know – what they're trying to do and why this, why a leg um, going over the side of another person means something, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's the most obvious, but the, the ground transitions and things like that, that just don't get enough credit from the judges. Now yeah. uh, they, there really needs to be a commission set up for MMA judging yeah. that just fills itself and, and that entire organization with judges who are former MMA fighters, people who have experienced multiple disciplines. Yeah, and I think a lot of these, uh, the referees in MMA, they're very versed. Most of them practice MMA to some level or another. They obviously know all the rules. They know when to when to stop a fight, when to stand up a fight. They're very versed in what's going on. I think they'd make a good example. Um, the model they have now, I think, works to a point. You know, you have damage done is the first thing. And then you have um, control, you have aggression. You know, those are, should come later than damage because if you are clearly damaging somebody and they're not getting to you, obviously you should win the fight. But when you have a fight where Reyes and Jones, neither of them sustained a ton of damage in this fight. They traded blows, but nobody was almost out. You know, so right. when you get to that point, it is it does come down to control and aggression. Yeah. It was a very good fight. Dominic Reyes deserves a ton of credit. He deserves an opportunity to keep fighting at the highest levels of that division. Yeah. Uh, does he deserve a rematch? I mean, potentially. I think that that is probably the best matchup at that weight class right now. I read a thing today saying that Jan Blahovitz wants to take care of Corey Anderson, avenge his loss, and get and be the first man to beat John Jones. I mean, that talk about bluster. Jan Blahovitz <laughs> is not in the league of John Jones, and he would get walked over. So. I don't see that matchup coming to fruition, and I really don't see anything else at the 205 weight class that's really interesting or exciting to me with Cormier at heavyweight. Um, at some point, you've got to get some new blood in there. I thought Reyes might be it, and he, he probably is, but he just uh, he couldn't do enough. And given a second chance, maybe he could. Or maybe John Jones is just more prepared for his style and what he brings to the table and mops the floor with him. Yeah, I, I, it'll be interesting to see what John Jones does now. Um, is he more interested in having another a rematch with Reyes, um, another fighter at 205? Uh, is he going to wait for Israel Adesanya to come up to 205 to fight him? 
or is he ready just to pack it up and move to the heavyweight? I think I think the more interesting fights for Jones are at heavyweight. Um, obviously, I'd love to see him fight Israel, but I don't know if Israel's at the point of his career to move up to 205 yet. I think that's still down the road for him. And I think the interesting fights, I mean... Who's out of sign you got coming up? Uh, he does have a fight he's got a on. He's got a fight coming up. And I wasn't entirely sure that he was going to completely dominate that fight or was a lock to, to move on there. Sure. So Adesanya is just so small compared to John Jones that right. I don't know how he can deal with that length and defense and ability of John Jones to do what he what John Jones does. Um, so I'm not really sure that that matchup is all that everybody thinks it's cracked up to be. Give Israel Adesanya all the credit in the world. The kid is great. Yeah, he's um, got to fight Romero next. You know who I'd I'd rather see? I would honestly, I would rather see um, Kamaru Usman fight Israel Adesanya. Yeah, and I, I think, yeah, like I said, I just think John Jones is going to be more interesting at heavyweight. There's a a ton of guys there that would be fun to see him to see him go against that he hasn't had a chance to fight. Um, when you look at 205. He's kind of beat everybody already. There's really yeah. not – I mean, there's nobody sitting there. You're like, oh, this would be an amazing matchup. I wonder how it will play out because you've seen it. You know how it should play out. You've, you've seen it happen before. So get him to heavyweight. If, if you're asking me, Dana, get him to heavyweight. Let's see Let's see what he can do. Yeah, let's watch Let's watch Stipe fight John Jones. Uh, Let, let's watch – That's the big one right there. That's the yeah. big money payday. Yeah, and, and let's get uh, Cormier Jones 3 if we need to. I, I'm at, good with that. At heavyweight? Yeah, at heavyweight. You know, let let Cormier carry the weight that he should carry <laughs> with his stature. <laughs> yeah. And not have to suffer a difficult weight cut, which he has uh, throughout the course of these fights. Uh, remember the, the Cormier-Johnson fight that we went to in Buffalo was at risk at times because Cormier was having a rough weight cut. He may or may not have leaned on a towel. Exactly. He he, he used a little a little towel help there to, and to make And thank goodness he did, because if he didn't make weight and that fight got canceled, I'd have been so annoyed. <laughs> yeah. uh, can you imagine having spent 400 plus <laughs> on, on our tickets for that fight and then not having the main event of Rumble against Cormier? I mean, not that I love the outcome anyway, as I was rooting for Rumble to yeah, pull that out. For sure. As we've been Rumble fans back to the late 2000 aughts. <laughs> so... Yeah, it's um, there's a lot of fun stuff going on here, but um, again, John Jones comes out on top. Shevchenko comes out on top. It kind of goes chalk, um, you know. And and this weekend we've got that week card on ESPN. We'll get to that um, soon, which which we'll talk about, you know, a little bit later here. Um, let's move on now, though, and talk about XFL Week One. Um, I think there's a lot of really good stuff that we can review from XFL Week One. So, uh, Tom, why don't you start off with a, a quick recap of uh, DC hosting Seattle? Yeah. So DC, um, let's see here. DC won 31 to 19 against Seattle. Um, they looked explosive. Cardale Jones looked really good in this game. Um, obviously, had some open guys, made some plays. Uh, but they look like they're going to be a tough out in this league. Um, uh, Seattle kind of made a little bit of a comeback, made some plays, uh, bringing up some stats here. Cardale Jones, 16 to 26, 235 yards, two touchdowns. Again, just did enough. Their running game did not do much. Um, but they have wide receivers everywhere, and they really use them. Uh, Malachi Debris um, was out there making catches. I see 
Rodgers, six catches on six targets for 73 yards. That's a pretty solid day. And Kari Lee, who we had talked about on the podcast last week on the end zone, he also had um, he had the one cut, catch for a touchdown for 39 yards on a nice little trick play they ran. Yeah, and, um, you know, Seattle was uh, widely viewed as maybe the worst team in the league coming into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, their quarterback situation to me is not impressive. Brandon Silvers played quarterback for the majority of the game. He got knocked around. B.J. Daniels came in for one fourth down play where, yeah. where you know, he was in a terrible spot. But Silvers ends up 21 of 40 for 217, three touchdowns and two picks. Um, they ran the ball a little bit. Um, their their rushing average was not bad at all. I mean, uh, Farrow seven for forty one, uh, Gardner nine for thirty six, and uh, Trey Williams three for sixteen. So you know they they averaged probably five five and five and change per carry. They just never really sustained it. You you can't you can't run the ball nineteen times twenty one times total with uh, including Silvers taking off once and an Austin Prohl reverse and expect to to be super effective but the problem is their defense couldn't get stops against cardale jones and that dc defenders offense uh which put yeah. them in a, in a tough spot yeah it should be interesting to to see these two in the next game and we'll talk all, a lot about dc and their next game coming up um you know they had a lot of interesting things dc scored they had a blocked punt for a touchdown and a pick six uh that's a lot. That's a lot to overcome, and when you only win by the the slim margin of twelve, yeah, that's it right there. Though so that's the game. Yeah, a block putt for a touchdown and a pick six to seal it. Yeah, um, everybody's all over DC now as the best team in the league, and I don't think I see it yet. I, I think yeah. that they they played a poor team and they had everything go their way. Yeah, um, they they did not run the ball effectively at all. Uh, they ran the ball 24, 27 times. For a total of maybe 60, 68 yards on twenty four yeah. carries, you, you know you're talking about less than three yards a carry there. That that's not going to get it done. It's not going to get it done. Eventually, it's not going to get it done. You can't just rely on Cardale dropping back to throw the ball. When you play a better defense, you're going to get yourself in trouble. So everybody that's hot on the DC defenders right now, you might want to just cool it down a little bit, rein it in. Um, because I don't see it as a dominant force in the league right now. Yeah. Uh, the next game we have is the Houston Roughnecks um, versus the Los Angeles Wildcats. Houston winning 37-17. Um, the thing that jumped out at me when I was reviewing this game, so as I was watching this game, you, you kind of saw the Roughnecks with the, with the big score and a, a sizable 20-point victory. But when you look at some of the stats, the game was really closer than that. Roughnecks only had 315 yards of offense. The Wildcats had 291. So you're talking about, what, 24 yards difference yeah. in, in, in offense? And a 20-point um, differential. Right. So, you know, it's a, it, it, again, it looks worse than the outcome actually – or than the actual game was. Um, but the Roughnecks, they, they scored points like we had thought they would. Yeah, and that's what we expected. And the big thing is they were able to close the deal when they got down in in, uh, plus territory, and that makes a huge difference. We've talked about red zone scoring and efficiency all along. Um, They they had four touchdown passes in the game. They don't run the ball much. They're in a run-and-shoot style offense. You're not going to see a big running game. Um, They had nine carries from their, their leading rusher, nine carries for 30 yards for Butler. Um, Then Walker ran four times scrambling essentially they weren't really designed runs 
and they had three other runs. They had 12 designed runs in the entire game. Yeah. So they're going to throw it, and everybody knows they're going to throw it. Can you stop it? Yeah, the only the 16 carries totaling 50 yards. It's only 3.1 a carry. Nothing going to scare you there. But again, the red zone, three for four in the red zone. Uh, that you're gonna you're gonna do well with that kind of a touchdown clip there. Yeah, and um, you know this week they take on the Battle Hawks, who came out on top last week as well. Um, but the next game on the docket, uh, New York hosted Tampa Bay. Uh, this yes. was the game that I selected the Vipers in. I thought they would cover the four. Um, yeah, the Guardians. Uh, played some really good defense they won 23 to 3 um and again a lot of uh so here's a stat for you the new york guardians won by 20 points they only allowed three points the total yards in this game the guardians had 226 net yards the vipers 394 net yards they outgained them by almost 170 yards and lost by 20 points. Yeah. It's unreal. Uh, Aaron Murray threw a couple of interceptions. He's just not effective. 16 of 34 in the XFL in your debut. Um, you can see why he didn't hack it in uh, in the NFL. You know, it, Quentin Flowers came in. He had he had uh, two passes, one, one for two for 37 yards. Yeah. Um, they ran the ball better. They at almost five yards a clip with Smith. Quinton Flowers ran the ball uh, five times for thirty-four yards. Uh, they were they were just the more effective offense. They just could not close the deal. They made mistakes, and uh, the Guardians took advantage. McGloin was a pedestrian, fifteen of twenty-nine for one eighty-two and a touchdown. It's nothing that jumps out at you at all. And they ran the ball absolutely. It was awful. It, it was awful. They ran the ball 16 times for 44 yards. What yeah. on earth? It, where is that going to get you? And here's another game with a defensive score. I mean, uh, the, the Guardians score with a one-yard run from a up the middle, a 12-yard pass in the red zone again, and then they don't score another touchdown until the fourth quarter when – there's a pass, a guy fumbles it, and it's picked up and returned for a touchdown. I mean, the the, the, the Guardians, again, it looks good. Maybe maybe you would buy into the defense because they score, they only allowed three points, but they almost allowed 400 yards of offense. It is an anomaly. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't see them as that strong of a team uh, despite coming out yeah. on, on top. And uh, Vegas agrees with me uh, installing them as seven-point underdogs at D.C. this week. Uh, they must have seen that as a, kind of an aberration that they came out with a 20-point victory there. Yeah. I mean, they, they're looking at, at the numbers. You know, they, they see those those yardage stats are more predictive of the the continued success of a team. And when you're being outgained by 170 yards, you are not winning a lot of football games. Absolutely. Uh, let's move on to the final game of the week, the grudge match. <laughs> My St. Louis Battlehawks. Coming in as an eight and a half, nine and a half point dog against Dallas and coming out on top fifteen to nine. Yeah. Dallas here starting their backup quarterback for their first game of the season. Good job. Yeah, well Way hey to be that, ready. Yeah, that that was uh and, and you know, he was efficient, thirty three of forty two. Pretty impressive completion percentage, really. Sure. For two hundred and nine yards, forty two attempts for two oh nine. Did he throw the ball down the field at all, all day? I have no idea. 21 was his longest completion of the day. 
Yeah. Um, he, he obviously didn't hit any deep shots down the field, but uh, that being said, Dallas returns Landry Jones this week, who had suffered an injury in practice leading up to the game. Um, he'll take over the reins at the quarterback position, and um, you know that could be a, a big thing for them. But I want to talk a little about St. Louis here. I did want to just mention a couple of quick stats before you start talking about the, the Battle Hawks here. Sure. The two stats, again, Battle Hawks, 374 yards, Renegades only 267. And then red zone, the Battle Hawks go two for three in the red zone. The Renegades, 0 for two. Yeah. In a six-point game, you go one you go one for two. We're talking something different. Right. Well, you know, one of the things that is effective in the red zone is a quarterback who can run the ball and a threat to run the ball. Um, he did not run the ball into the end zone in this game, but there's always that threat with, with Jordan Ta'amu. Okay, he threw the ball 20 for 27 for 209 and a touchdown. That's a very nice, very efficient outing. The other thing is he ran the ball nine times for 77 yards. He's explosive with his feet. And the thing that I love the most about the Battle Hawks is they ran the ball more than anyone else in the league this week, and I talked about how they were going to be a ground-and-pound power football team. And that's what I loved about him. Matt Jones carried it 21 times for 85 yards. Eh, four yards a carry. You can live with that. Yeah, Keith, with, that, with that many attempts, yeah. Yeah. Keith Ford, four times for, for 26 yards, six and a half yards a carry, and a touchdown. And a tutty. Yep. And um, Nick Fitzgerald even got in and carried the ball one time. Uh, the, the interesting thing about this, uh, Kristen Michael, seven carries, zero yards. That is Reggie Bush esque. That yeah, how do you seven carries for zero yards from a guy who was an NFL player? Uh, this could be an indication of why he's no longer in the NFL. Yeah, uh, I don't think he he didn't look like he was in great shape either. To be totally honest with you, so um, yeah, I I was a big Matt Jones fan. Obviously, I talked about it here on this podcast and um, his power running ability. If he doesn't fumble the ball. He's an NFL-caliber running back. He deserves an opportunity at the next level. Uh, Ta'amu, of course, I watched a lot in college, being a big SEC college football fan. Uh, he performed really well. And um, I'm excited about my favorite team in the XFL, I'll tell you. <laughs> um, so the next thing we want to talk about with the XFL as we're reviewing it is just the league in general. Um, a lot of creative things they've done. Uh, we want to talk about some of that. And the league perception is off to a really hot start for them. They had very good ratings, um, topping the NBA um, on Sunday, which Sunday afternoon NBA is usually a hot ticket, but the XFL was able to defeat it in its first week. Um, can they keep that kind of pace up remains to be seen. You know, it was new. There's that factor of people just tuning in to see what it's like. Can they return people will be a big story. Well, here's the thing. I think that not only will they return people, but they'll add people moving forward. Maybe not. They won't hit the same kind of numbers that they had in week one. Um, that it's just that was too great of a scenario for them set up. But I think that they're going to add more fans because this is a legitimate product. This is real football that we're watching here. And the thing for me with this is previously it was not a real football product that they were putting out there. Now, this is something that we can all watch. There were fans going nuts in, in, in the stadiums, yeah. really enjoying it. And I think that this is a great bridge between the NFL season ending and the NFL draft season yeah. that's going to fill perfectly for us. 
and uh, I'm excited about it. I mean, I did not think I would be this into the XFL, and this is the sentiment that I've seen echoed by people all across the Twitterverse, all over social media, all over news articles. Almost unanimously, people really enjoyed what they saw. I loved a lot of the rules. The kickoff rule, when we were reading it on here, it was hard to visualize how it would work. But seeing it in action, seeing the way it works, and them standing still, and the, the kick coming down, the guy catching it, and then the chaos that's generated by them being so close in proximity yeah. was fun. Yeah. Um, I love the point after I think there's, there's a lot of opportunity for explosive plays on the kickoff. Yeah. But I don't think that it's so much so that you have to worry about it being hokey or right. you know gimmicky. I think that it's a, a great solution to the high-impact collision issue that everyone's worried about with the kickoff without making it a formality or boring like the NFL has. Yes. Yeah, I mean, they have absolutely created an exciting play on a play where in the NFL you don't even want to watch it. You just wait for it to get kicked in the end zone and just wait for them to spot the ball. Um, the extra point attempts were awesome. It was fun to see. And I think it's going to get more interesting, not less interesting, to see what these coaches start to do um, with the different options. I mean, going for one point from the, the three-yard line mm -hmm. is – I think it's the two, right? The two-yard line, yeah. It seems almost like weak. The, you, the Vegas analysis guys uh, have said that two points from the five makes so much more sense. Yeah. You have a, a better chance at converting that in two tries than you do converting back-to-back -back times from the two. And then there's the the three pointer from the ten. Like, if you're Late behind, if you're yeah. behind, you can get nine points on a touchdown. If you you could be down eighteen and score two touchdowns, two threes, and all of a sudden, wow! I saw XFL at XFL twenty twenty their their official Twitter yep. page uh, tweeted out. Uh, one of the teams was down 17. I can't remember which game it was, but they're like 17 points is a two possession game in the XFL. Yeah. And I just thought that was cool. I, I thought it was really interesting to see. A couple other things I love is the instant replay process that we are a part of it. First of all, it's hilarious to see the guy sitting there with an Xbox controller yeah. <laughs> running the instant replay. Uh, are you playing Madden on your downtime, bud? Like, what are you doing up there? Yeah. I mean, I, I loved it. I thought it yeah. was, I thought it was great getting that insight from what's going on in that seeing replay. What seeing what they're yeah. that hearing that conversation that kind of insight i mean i i'm going to guess the nfl does not want us in their booth they do not want us hearing those conversations because they're probably not all what fans want to hear there's probably some i, eh, I don't know just i this. love the transparency of yes it. and i think that is great it was a lot of fun it was one of the most fun things that i i guess i didn't even know that that was going to be a part of it so the first time i saw i'm like wait we get to hear what they're saying yeah this is great yeah and can I tell you, the, the sideline interviews, there were some, some griping that it was happening too much. We don't need to hear it in the middle of the game. You know what? I love it. I really do. I, I love seeing the engagement from people in the middle of the game. Um, you're not getting the Greg Popovich interview. You're getting people that are answering actual questions here. And on top of that, I am a huge Pat McAfee fan. I think the guy is hilarious. I, watching him uh, call, call college football games this year, he was part of uh, maybe my favorite booth. Um, so I think that they're doing a really nice job with some of these innovations. I mean, the Skycam was taken from them previously when they when they put that in. The NFL was like, hey, this is great. Let us try this. So right. um, I think that there are going to be more innovations that are coming from yeah. the XFL. And, and, you know, the NFL might – 
kind of tweak some of the things that they do a little bit to put their own spin on it. But I think you're going to see some things that the XFL is doing become part of what we know as football. Yeah, one of the things I think is smart about the sideline interviews for them is uh, these guys aren't household names. When you see a Drew Brees on the sideline with his helmet off, everybody in the country watching that game knows that's Drew Brees. He's a decent guy. He went to Purdue. Um, he makes fun of himself. He's pretty humble. Like you don't need a, any introduction to him. He's he's real right. famous. So these guys, we don't know any of them. Right. And to get some of their character and their personality through these sideline interviews is going to be beneficial to them league long run because you need stars and they need stars to develop. And they're putting that in the forefront by having sideline interviews with big plays. Absolutely. Yeah, it's some really good stuff. Uh, I'm really excited about watching week two. Uh, it's it's amazing to me that I'm I can't wait to watch XFL football. Listen, there's football on where we're in. So. Yeah, no doubt about it. So um, we're gonna take a quick break here, and then uh, we're gonna come back and we're gonna make our predictions for week two of the XFL. Yes. We're gonna talk about the NBA All Star Weekend, and then we're gonna talk about the NFL quarterback carousel. So All stick right. with us. We'll be back with you shortly. And welcome back. We are here refreshed. Very refreshed. Some fresh beverages. Took our little breather here that we needed. Regroup. Yeah. And now it's time for us to preview week two of the XFL, including four hammered sports picks. Four hammered sports picks a piece. A piece. And then I've got a couple bonus picks coming later tonight on another sport. Yes. So I'm excited about those. So let's kick it right off here. Uh, first game of the weekend, we've got the New York Guardians at the D.C. Defenders. You're yeah, bet is, U.S. right now. Uh, before you get to that, uh, yeah. it's a matchup of two teams that won their first game. They're both 1-0. and um, This one is 2 o'clock Saturday on ABC um, in D.C. And... The New York Guardians on BetUS right now, you can get at plus seven. Uh, Tom was shopping around the line a little bit here and found that it's like six and a half through DraftKings. Yeah, so one of the great parts about the XFL is they are putting gambling at the forefront. They understand that degenerates like us are looking for action. And that's one thing that they provide at this point of the year is betting football. Oh, yeah. So... They're not hiding from it. If you watch the games, the lines are right on the screen. So when you go to the page and you click on a game, they have three separate betting lines that they're constantly updating. So DraftKings has New York plus six and a half, and Fox Bet five plus five and a half. They've got an Action Network consensus too that has it like three point two. I think that's probably like Action Network's thought of where the line where will close be. or yeah. where yeah. But um, live lines right now, if you log in and you like the Guardians, you can get them at plus seven. Um, seven is a, a key number in most NFL or college games. Yeah. It's a little different here with the XFL because of the extra point rules. Yeah, and I think for gamblers, you may be able to take advantage of Vegas in the first few weeks of this before they get some of that figured out. You know, a one-score favorite, maybe it needs to be nine. Maybe it needs nine and a half. Yeah, is Vegas going to over-adjust based on what we're seeing here? One of the things that I thought I noticed for sure is all four games have totals in the 40s now. Um, it looks like they've brought those totals down because the under was 3-1 and one against the spread in week one. Yeah, I think it, they had some over 
estimation based on the speed of play that they, they were going to see. And they did see it. Uh, XFL tweeted out some um, numbers about how much, how many more plays they were getting off than the NFL. And even in college, the time between plays is faster than college, which is crazy to think because so many teams in college run that up-tempo offense. Yeah. So, you know, you've got Tampa minus two and a half at Seattle. Uh, well, I'll just run through all the lines that I saw in BetUS right now so that everybody okay. can get a look at them. Um, Dallas minus four at L.A., um, St. Louis plus eight at Houston. So those are the four lines that we're looking at right now, and those are what I'm going to make my selections on because those are the ones that I can get action on right this moment. Right. So let's talk about this D.C.-New York game a little bit. Um, both of them won. Uh, they've won in different fashion. We already talked a lot about the two games. Um, D.C. had the advantage of a couple of a couple of touchdowns, you know, that blocked punt for a touchdown and an interception for a touchdown at the end. Um, you know, masked some, you know, m- missed opportunities. And then New York won by even though they're outgained by 170 yards. Um, the New York defense had five sacks, had two picks and a fumble recovery in the to aid themselves on getting that victory. It should be interesting to see this game come out. Yeah, and I think everybody thinks that D.C. is the better of the two teams. Um, is New York's defense really as good as it showed? That's the interesting question in this matchup. Are they that much better than what they showed? Um, overall, when you watch the two offenses, I think that D.C.'s offense looks like the better of the two. And the New York defense looks like the better of the two. This appears to be a passing league right now save for one team in St. Louis that decided they'd pound the rock. Uh, You generally did not see teams running the ball very much. It was really about throwing it around. So I think that there's a clear advantage. Uh, Cardale Jones, I think, is a better quarterback than Matt McGloin is. Yeah. And I think they're going to be more explosive than New York is. I feel like they're definitely more creative on offense as well. That New York, I mean, maybe New York was holding back because they got a lead and were just content with being vanilla, but uh, they were definitely the more creative team on offense. And, you know, I, I mean, one, it's way more fun to watch when you're being a little creative. Um, but I think they have some of those weapons that allow them to do so. And, you know, my pick in this game, I, I was originally leaning towards taking the points with the Guardians. But now that I look at it and I see these lines uh, deflating from last week, uh, everybody saw that uh, defensive performance by the Guardians. I think that that over 47 is a play here. I think that they're going to go ahead and and the pace of the play is going to force plenty of action. You're you're not going to see either. Neither of these teams really look to run the ball all that much. I think there's an opportunity for defensive scores again. The two teams combined for 54 points last week, and now we've got 47 set as the over/under. I'm going to take over 47 in that game. Yeah, I mean, I looking at the stats and everything, I, I think my leaning is actually to give up the seven with DC. Let's just say this: I mean, Cardale Jones versus Matt McGloin. Who are you taking? Right. I, I, to me, that's not even even close. Um, and then you just look at some of the playmakers, Eli Rogers on for DC. Six catches on six targets for 73 yards. This is a guy who was good in the NFL. Yeah. Um, so give, give me that talented roster of D.C. and that, that fun, creative offense. And 
I, I will gladly lay, lay the points for that game. I think New York got lucky to win this. Um, the three They had a 3-0 turnover advantage. They lost the time of possession. They got smoked in yardage. They only ran, averaged 2.8 yards of rush. And all those things said roll right into my next pick, which is the 5 o'clock game, Tampa minus 2.5 against Seattle. And I, I'm not going to bury the lead here. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. I, I'm going to continue backing the Vipers despite last week's 23-3 to loss. And many of the things you mentioned, they outgained the Guardians by 170 yards. They just couldn't get things done in the red zone. They couldn't close the deal. They turned it over three times. I think that against Seattle, who's, I believe, the poorest team in the league, I don't think that their quarterback is any good. I think that you're looking at a Vipers team that's going to come out on top. I think they're going to win big. I think that laying two and a half is just a complete gift. And the fact that that's even available right now is like I, I'm licking my chops over this one, Tom. Yeah, when you look at um, – so DraftKings has it, Tampa Bay minus three. Um, Fox Bet has it at two and a half as well. And the Action Network has it minus two, 2.4. So, you know, you're right where you want to be with that game. Um, this is one of the ones on Fox on Saturday, 5 o'clock. And, I mean, you, you look at it, one team got dominated and lost. One team dominated and lost. Yeah. Um, the one thing about Tampa Bay I really like is their balance. 244 yards passing, 150 yards rushing last week. Yeah. That is the balance you're looking for in an NFL. The average yards per play, 5.5. Yeah, that should get it done. So absolutely, and and to only score three points there, they're being completely undervalued in week two. This will be my largest bet of the weekend, and it won't be close. I, I, I'm saying that I will probably have four or five units on it compared to the normal one unit that I have. Um, you know, and everyone's unit is different based on. Well, I guess that's true in every aspect of life, but <laughs> um, you know, depending on what you consider as your standard wager. Um, I'll have four or five times my standard wager on Tampa on Saturday. Yeah, I think we're both on the same side here. I think everything you have to reference points you towards Tampa Bay being the better team, the more complete team. Um, so I, I, I'm going to go with and give up the two and a half as well. All right, so that's a, a double like, both of us, from Hammered Sports on Tampa, minus two and a half on Saturday night. Next game, Sunday uh, 3 o'clock on ABC, Dallas Renegades at L.A. Wildcats. And here's another one of two teams that lost in their first week. Um, I'll give you the ones that we have here. DraftKings has Dallas minus 4, FoxBet minus 4, Dallas minus 4.5, and, and the Action Network has it at minus 4. What does BetUS have it, Kevin? Minus 4. So, again, we're right in the same ballpark. And uh, let's take a look at some of the numbers here. You know, not a lot jumps off at you right away. They both, you know, LA turned the ball over way more. And well, what stands out to me the most? It's it's Landry Jones' return for Dallas. Yeah. I think it's uh, Philip Nelson played at East Carolina. He did not have he did not face much competition at the college level. Um, he was okay. Um, he wasn't a bad quarterback at the college level, but. Now you've got Landry Jones stepping in, who played at the highest level in college. Um, and then he played plenty when he was playing in the NFL. He, he stepped in numerous times for Roethlisberger. This is a, a guy who can play football. And 
He is part of Bob Stoops' offense, which he's very familiar with. Right. He's going to be completely comfortable in what they're doing. He had a minor injury last week that didn't allow him to get on the field. He's going to be back this week. I think that offense is going to be humming. I think Dallas minus four is my play here. I think one thing to watch um, as we're looking at this, one thing to watch also is players that kind of separate themselves and maybe get themselves an invite to NFL teams. Nelson Spruce, the wide receiver from L.A. last week, um, 11 catches for 103 yards, averaging 9.4 yards a catch. Um, he's he's out of Colorado. Uh, he's only 27 years old. I mean, if he keeps putting up these kinds of numbers, there's going to be an invite for him to a camp. And honestly, that's what most of these guys are trying to get. Um, ever, get me been, in the door. They've on it. They've been very honest at the XFL talking about how the salaries have to start low because they need to be um, fiscally responsible to ensure there's season two, season three. Um, and as they're doing that, the NFL is a much bigger payday still. Yeah. And, you know, somebody who puts up those kinds of numbers, it'll be interesting to see if he can keep that up. Um, you know, Dallas is the team I thought was going to be the best in the league to start with, so I would definitely give up the four to, to stay with them as well. Um, how do you feel about the over-under? We have it as 48.5 here. This is another spot where I really like the over. I think that you get Landry Jones back. He's going to be comfortable in that offense. They're going to be chucking it around. He's going to have um, – I, th- I think that comfortability is something that is really underrated. I think that that's the spot that really makes the difference here. He knows the offense. He knows what he's going to be doing. He's absolutely going to be very comfortable. He's going to throw the ball around. He's got plenty of weapons on that team. The Wildcats, they gave up 37 last week. Yeah. Um, the, it, to me, I, they fired Pepper Johnson. Already, they yeah. immediately terminated their defensive coordinator. That's not a good sign. It's not. And and I don't think that defense is going to be ready to rebound. I think that Dallas could put up a similar number to what LA or what Houston did against LA last week uh, in the mid thirties. And I expect this game to get into the fifties. All right. Moving on to what may be the game of the week um, and closing out the schedule for them in the stadium that they will be playing their championship game in Houston. Uh, we have the St. Louis Battlehawks at 1-0 going to play the Houston Roughnecks at 1-0. Um, 6 p.m. Sunday on FS1. What do you see the line at over there, Kev? Plus 8 I have it available at right now through BetUS. Yep, DraftKings has it St. Louis plus 8 and St. Louis plus 7.5 on Fox Bet with the Action Network at plus 8 as well. And here's here's an, there, there are a lot of interesting facts about this game. You talked about how Houston's – uh, yardage didn't really at, equate to the score that, that hit the board against Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Um, St. Louis, they played exactly how I expected them to play. They're going to play the same again this week. They're going to have to rely on their defense. They're going to have to get stops against that run and shoot. And here's what the X factor is going to be. Will they be able to create turnovers? If yeah. they create turnovers and are able to control the clock, and lengthen or shorten the game rather with a running game featuring Matt Jones who hammers the ball and if Matt Jones hangs on to the ball and doesn't fumble we're talking about a team that's going to keep it close yeah and again uh, St. Louis again with the balance offense 183 yards passing last week 191 yards rushing Um, Houston has the opposite and this is by design for Houston it's not something they're shy about 265 yards to the air 50 rushing um, both teams are in similar yards per play. St. Louis 5.3, Houston 5.6. Um, you're, you're splitting hairs there at that point. Um, both teams' defense, Houston had five sacks. St. Louis had four sacks. 
Houston had two interceptions. St. Louis only had the one. Um, Houston allowed more points at, with 17 than St. Louis allowed with the nine. L- look at this number. It's crazy. Houston had 16 quarterback hits. That is yeah. a large number. Well, the thing is, they were in a good spot to get those quarterback hits because they had a lead. Um, sure. I think that this is a situation that sets up beautifully for the under, too. I think that St. Louis is going to do all they can to shorten the game. They're going to power run. Um, and I, you know, this is, I think that Jordan Tamu is the quarterback with the most upside in all of the XFL. Everyone's all over PJ Walker for that performance last week, a product of the system last week, the run and shoot style. He, he had a great game through four touchdowns, but I've watched both of these guys at the college level and I've watched who they competed against and Walker played for Temple and he doesn't didn't face near the competition that Tom who did week in week out with Ole Miss. Yeah, another person to watch for the NFL is someone who's been in the NFL and actually set a Super Bowl record is Coney Ely playing for Houston. Um, you know, the with those sixteen quarterback hits, he had a few of those himself. Uh, he set a Super Bowl record with three sacks in a Super Bowl. He also had an interception in that game. Um, he had his struggles. There's actually a really good article on XFL.com about you know, some losses in his family uh, and trying to, you know, regain some of that drive to be in the NFL again. Um, he had a half a sack, four quarterback hits himself. Yeah. Um, so, you know, a pass rush is a huge cure-all for a lot of things. Um, you know, I think it leans more, even more to the under based on those things that you're talking about. Yeah. Um, if Tom was going to get in trouble in the, in the backfield um, and they don't have a passing game to speak of, they're not going to come from behind against Houston if they if they get behind. If they get behind, you know, 14 or 17 or 20 points, uh, Houston's going to have them in a chokehold. And um, St. Louis has to play a, a tough, close-to-the-vest style of game and play great defense like they did this week. Uh, they're facing a better offense this week, a, a more explosive offense, an offense that's going to chuck it around. It'll be interesting to see how they match up. So for our picks, what is your pick for this game? St. Louis plus eight. St. Louis. Bonus pick on the under. Um, I'm going to take Houston minus the eight. Uh, I just feel like they're going to get some scores, and when they get ahead, I think that makes it, based on the type of offense St. Louis plays, it's going to make it tough for them to to catch back up. Houston gets after the passer like we just talked about. Uh, the, that amount of quarterback hits is crazy. Uh, a lot of quarterbacks will not hit that hit mark till week three of a season. So, yeah, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see. That's the fun of this league. We don't really know what to expect when some of these teams, uh, they're playing only their second game ever, and it's going to be interesting to see if, if last week was how they're going to play every week or if it was just an aberration because of matchups. And I can't wait to see how our evaluations work out through this weekend. Yeah. You know, did did we see things the right way? through the correct lens last weekend um and and are we making the right choices here moving forward i feel very confident in tampa more than more than any other obviously yeah um and i love that that under in the dc new york game those are the two that i I, i'm sorry the over in that uh new york dc game those are the two that i feel the most confident about um i also do like the under 49 here in this game i think that it's a really good play i think that you know that it's a smart play and um it, yeah. it's probably a play that's not getting a lot of love in the pub amongst the public 
Yeah, because Houston scored 37 points, but the way they did it isn't indicative of them repeating it. They had the three turnovers, so they had short fields um, and were able to cash in, which is, you know, that's your job as an offense, yeah. cash in those short. But are they constantly going to get that? No. And St. Louis is a team who's going to run the ball a lot, which even in this league slows the game down some. Um, it limits some of those plays you'll be able to get off. So, you know, I definitely see that under being a, a very smart, savvy bet. Um, especially when it's harder to pick some of these spreads because we're not sure what to expect. The two winners from last week, or the four winners are playing each other from last week, the four losers are playing each other from last week. So it's really, you know, hopefully next, by next week, we should have a little bit more of a pecking order. Yeah, and, and two teams are going to really separate themselves, um, you know, with, with two wins and, and getting out yeah. to a 2-0 start. But, uh, again, I think there are teams that lost last week that are good enough to be competitive right to the end in this league this year. Um, Tampa being number one, if I think in particular, if they give BJ Daniels a, a, an opportunity at the quarterback position, because I just was completely unimpressed with Aaron Murray. Uh, the running game was effective, um, yeah. and Aaron Murray was not effective. So, yeah, I, I really see right now looking at it, I think DC and Houston are, are are kind of that top tier for them, and it'll be interesting to see if they if I feel the same way after watching Week Two. I felt like they're the most all around teams, played good offense made plays on defense, you know, that's obviously a recipe for success in any football league. So it'll just be interesting to see if they can keep that up next week. And if we're talking next, next weekend and I'm, I'm singing the same tune or if I've changed it based on the results. Well, and I'll be doing a happy dance if St. Louis runs the ball 42 times again and comes out on yeah. top period, because sure. that's a, that's a team that clearly is playing a different style of football than everyone else. If that takes place again, um, they ran the ball considerably more than anyone else in the league last week. Um, led the league in rushing by 20 to 30 yards, something like that. Um, I think that's, you know, they are playing a different style than, than most of the other teams in this league right now. All right. So we are going to now transition from our new friend, the XFL, and move to the NBA All-Star Weekend. Um, I know personally that the NBA All-Star Weekend is always something that captivates me. Um, there's so many events packed into these three days that make it a lot of fun. Um, starting right Friday night, you have the all-star celebrity game, which is fun. Like it's not supposed yeah. to be serious. It's not serious, but it's a good time. Um, I think they do the nice little wrinkle with Will Bonin, and um, Stephen A being the, the coaches or the captain yeah. of the teams. Um, so that's fun. And then the NBA rising star game is always entertaining to see the young kids kind of going at it. Um, which, you know, I'm going to tell you right now, I am beyond angry that Mitch Robinson is not yeah. part of this, this roster. What, what are they think the, the guy is a complete stud if you're not familiar with mitch robinson what i need you to do right now is pause the podcast go to youtube type in mitchell robinson spend the next five ten minutes in awe at some of the things this young man can do blocking shots crazy alley-oop dunks just ferocious high jumper for a big guy uh and then when you when you get your fill and you see why we're as Knicks fans going, how is he not part of this? You can you can come back and replay the podcast. We'll we'll wait. Go yeah, ahead and do that. It, <laughs> because somebody like that adds excitement to a game like the Rising Star yeah. game. He's gonna catch oops. He's gonna throw blocks into the third row. Yeah, you know that that's that's the excitement that you want in a game like that. How is he not part of that U.S. team? It's just puzzling to me. Yeah, it's uh. Now, do you prefer the U.S. versus the world, or did you like the freshman sophomore version better? It's hard for me because R.J. Barrett's going to play for the international team. How am I? How am I supposed to root for that team? Yeah. Like, 
what what the hell am I supposed to do as a Knicks fan? I love R.J. Barrett. I want him to succeed. But now I got to well, root against the U.S. What 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 is this? <laughs> yeah, um, I like the I've always liked the freshman sophomore because it pits basically draft classes against each other. And what other sport can you actually have that play out? You know, in the NFL, you're going to have draft classes of a ton of people. One and you know, even if you pick the All Stars, you're going to have five quarterbacks and maybe three offensive linemen. So the NBA has this novelty that they can really do, and they they kind of gotten away from it. I think. I think they're missing the point of this. Uh, having that was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I think they were on the right track before. Yeah. Then we're going to move to Saturday night where legends are made, where we go to first the Taco Bell Skills Challenge. Um, if you're not familiar with this, it is a very entertaining event uh, that kind of puts you, makes these players do a little bit of everything. Yeah. Dribbling, passing, shooting. they got to do a little bit of everything. It's a lot of fun. Um, I can go through the, uh, the yeah. Go ahead, right give now. us give us the contestants. Huh? Um, Sabonis, Demontis Sabonis, Demontis Sabonis, Spencer Dinwiddie, um, Pascal Siakam, Siakam, Siakam. Come on, you got to get that right, Tom. This guy's a, a rising star in the in the NBA uh, in Canada. Well, Bam Adebayo in from Miami, uh, Patrick Beverly, Jason Tatum, Chris Middleton, and I'm gonna butcher this one too. Shy. Gilgis Alexander. You actually you actually did a very nice job yes. there, Tom. So I'm proud of you. Um, so, I mean, the one thing about the skills challenge that's fun is they always put pick a few big guys, a few ball handlers, and kind of see how it works out. And it's always entertaining to see who rises to that. And there's some talented guys in this again. And what's it come down to, really? The, the, the guys that nail that pass, you know, you got the bounce pass and the chest pass, right, that yep. they've got to hit. And then there's like a a jumper. Yeah, yeah. So it's a, they got a layup and a jumper. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a really interesting group that's participating in this this year. Um, I love gambling on shit like this. Yeah, I, I got to be honest. You know, this kind of stuff just it, it really it you you can add to it so much by having some action in it. And they do matchups here too. So it's it's like one versus one to start. Yeah. So you can get. You can bet on the matchup. So what's available right now is the winners. Uh, Moneyline yep. winners through BetUS is, is uh, where I have a hammered sports wager for you on the skills challenge. Uh, on the skills challenge, I am putting uh, a nice little wager on Jason Tatum at plus 450 to win the skills competition. And that comes from my thought that he is so well-rounded his ball handling skills are great. His jump shooter, his jump shot is great. He's going to finish at the basket. He's quick. I, I think that he is the perfect combination of um, passer, athletic, dexterity, jump shooter. I, I, I think that at plus 450, compared to Spencer Dinwiddie, who's the favorite at plus 250, you know, give me the plus 450 on Jason Tatum here. What's uh, Patrick What's Patrick Beverly at? I plus 600 yeah i'd like a piece of that i think beverly is beverly's one of these guys that's been in the league for a while and he's always underrated every time you watch a game with him in it he's making plays and you're like oh man i forgot how good that guy is um i i think and i always favor the guards in these i know that we've had it's some been a, it's been a point guard 
show yeah. really yeah except for that's the why, unicorn well right and and uh, <laughs> that's why Dinwiddie and, and Gilgis Alexander are the two favorites here at plus 250 and plus 350 respectively um, followed by Pascal Siakam at plus 425 Jason Tatum is right in the middle of the pack at plus 450 Middleton plus 500 Beverly plus 600 DeMontis Sabonis plus 750 and Bam Adebayo at plus 1000 uh, I think you're wasting your money on Bam Adebayo. I got to be yeah. honest. Yeah, and Sabonis. I mean, I feel like his skill set doesn't match this very well either. His skill set's like hustle and grit, yeah. and I mean, and, and he is a good passer. I got to yeah. give that to him. But sure. I don't think that he can. He has match. to live up to the family name for that. Right. Yeah. Arbitus. <laughs> He's not even the best passer so, in his family. He's either. not. His father was a stud <laughs> passer out of the post for sure. That guy could make pass. <laughs> Just hit and Clyde the Glide on a cut, you yeah. know. Arvidas Sabonis was fun to watch. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I'm taking a stab at Jason Tatum here. So, uh, plus 450, hammered sports bat, Jason Tatum. And then we roll into the three-point contest, which is always a blast to watch. Um, let's see here. So, we got Davis Bertans from Washington, Devin Booker, Devontae Graham from Charlotte, Joe Harris from Brooklyn, Buddy Heald, Sacramento, Zach Levine, Chicago, Duncan Robinson, Miami, and Trey Young from Atlanta. Yeah, so these boys can shoot. Yes, there are a lot of shooters here. Um, Trey Young is the favorite. Um, slight, very slight favorite, plus 325. Then you have one, two, three guys at plus 350. Duncan Robinson, Joe Harris, and Devin Booker. You know, um, any one of those guys could get hot. That's what this contest comes down to. It is. To. It is. Yeah. Uh, then you've got Davis Bertans and Zach Levine at plus 450. Then you have the Hammered Sports selection. <laughs> Buddy Heald at plus 550. So I'm not sure that Buddy Heald's three-point shooting has translated as much to the NBA as it did in, in college. But this guy was just – he was a fire shooter at Oklahoma. He, he could drill everything. He was pure. His, his jump shot looks great. And at plus 550, I'm a, and he's on a team that's not that great in Sacramento. Yeah. I, I think this this is going to mean a lot to him. He's, he's going to care. He's going to try very hard. Um, and that's the case with a bunch of these players, actually. Like, they're all on bad team. Who's on the best team on this group? Uh, let's see. Who would I say? Jesus. When I look at this, all these guys are on teams that stink. Yeah, Trey Young plays for Atlanta. I don't even know. where's Duncan Robinson play. Duncan Robinson? Oh, yeah. the Heat. So they're not. Uh, good. They're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Joe Harris with Brooklyn. Davis Bertans. I don't know where he ended up now. Washington. Stink. Zach Levine with the Bulls. Stinkeroo. Yeah. Buddy Heald on Sacramento. Nothing. Yeah. Devonte Graham. Uh, Charlotte. Charlotte. Terrible. Devin Booker on the Suns. They're not that good. What what is going on here? <laughs> I mean, there's there's some good shooters all around the league, and uh, you know we'll we'll see. I mean, this is one of the ones that I think is the most wide open. You Without have, Clay and Steph in the competition, all of a sudden you could pick any of these eight competitors and yeah. come out on top. It's just who do you trust most, and and who's the most value? Me plus five fifty on Buddy Heald, hell yeah. Yeah, I I really feel like they're missing some of that top end name talent. Um, but this is the kind of contest that one of these guys is going to win it and make a, a memory for NBA fans of them. Like, 
oh yeah, remember when Zach Levine, you know, yeah. won that three point contest? Um, so wasn't Levine was in the dunk contest a few yes. years ago, right? Yeah, he's a pretty talented uh, young player there for Chicago. I, I don't think he's going to win the three no. point contest. No. That's, I don't think it's his bag. No. Uh, then we move on to the the slam dunk competition, which is fun for everyone. Only four participants. Which is it's depressing. Weak. It's yeah. Weak sauce. Yeah. It's depressing. And, um, you know, you've got Aaron Gordon, plus 110. He's won it before. Aaron Gordon, um, did he win it? I thought he finished second. I thought he won. Maybe he didn't win. Yeah, I don't think he won. But, he, I, to me, he had the best dunk of the night where he put the ball underneath his ass. Like, yeah. Okay, I've seen people put it between their legs, but he got his whole ass above the ball. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like yeah, that was pretty impressive. Um, that dunk was nuts to me. Yeah, he can jump out of the building. There's yeah. no questions I, there. I'm very excited to see what he can do. You have a you have Derek former, Jones Jr. Yes, also an insane athlete. Yeah, tell me a little about it. What do you know? Uh, that he's an insane athlete. I I don't think he's participated before. Well, let me see. Let me see if I can find out. Uh, actually, he finished second as well before. Derek Jones finished second in this um, before as well. Pat uh, Connaughton's the only one who's never played. Yeah, so we've got Pat Connaughton, who is a Notre Dame <laughs> Irish alum, yeah. uh, and he can jump. Let yes. me tell you, he can jump. He can play basketball too. Um, this Plus is my sentimental favorite. I think he's he's a big underdog and in. Uh, the entire matchup, but I, I really would love to see Pat Connaughton just leap out of the building and do some crazy stuff, Nate Rob style. You know, the guy that they least expect to do this. I mean, you can't do it Nate Rob style. Do it six five. That's fair, but I mean, he's still that kind of underdog. He is plus three fifty though. He's the third betting choice. Dwight Howard is the biggest dog on the board. <laughs> I I think because he's old. He's well, he's he's old, what, he, but I'm he's sorry. I'm sorry, Dwight. You're seasoned. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and he's probably younger than both of us, right? That's my guess. Is that's that fine, he's but I'm than... not participating against 20 year old kids. Yeah, that's true. Derek Jones um, is 22, by the way, and Dwight Howard is also seven feet tall. Yes, which so is a, a disadvantage. It is a different um, challenge for him. Yeah, he has to make it look more difficult yeah the the other guys are gonna have the difficulty just built in by the, the flight they have to take to dunk so yeah yeah it's um you know i i'm gonna root for pat Connaughton, and i might i might throw 20 bucks on him just for the fun of it and uh, see if he can get the crowd supporting him because he seems like the least athletic of the group and his athleticism may be underrated so when he performs Plus. the same dunk as aaron gordon he may get higher scores than that. Plus, he plays in Milwaukee, um, and he's super like down the list of players when you start listing Milwaukee. You know, yeah, you, you got you got the Greek freak there. You know, he, he's not coming up next, right? Um, then go ahead. Did you have more on the dunk? No, I'm I'm done okay. with the dunk contest. So well, then we have the main event, if you will, the All Star Game itself. Uh, Team LeBron. With the starters being LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, Luka Donich, and Jimmy Harden. Yeah. Um, pretty pretty good starting five. It's going to be fun. 
their reserves on that team are Ben Simmons, uh, Nikola Jokic, 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 Jason Tatum. Chris I gotta help Tom with his pronunciations because he really <laughs> struggles with his international. I'm way, piece. I'm way better at baseball. Yeah, Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, Sabonis, and Devin Booker, who is yeah. taking the place of Damian Lillard, who's been on a tear and then of course got hurt because that's yeah. what happens in Portland. Oh yeah, yeah. It's um, it's gonna be it, the All Star Game is always fun. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you're you're actually right. That that was that was bullshit. It's not that much it's fun. Not it's, that it's, much fun. I would rather watch the Saturday uh, All Star Saturday night than I would yes. Sunday. I and I have numerous times. Um. So let's run through Team um, Giannis. So of course we have the Greek Giannis. Greeks. We have Joel Embiid, Pascal Siakam. There you go. Kemba Walker and Trey Young are the starting five. Chris Middleton, Bam Adebayo, Rudy Gobert, Kyle Lowry, Brandon Ingram, and Donovan Mitchell. So that rounds out their team. Yeah, it's a, a fun group too. Um, the one thing I noticed. I wish that they played a real game. That That's the one thing about it. If they played a real game, this would be freaking awesome. But instead they don't. They, they just goof around for three and a half quarters, and then they try and play late. Yeah. It's it's tough to watch to be. I mean, some people love it. They just love all the dunks and the scoring. Like to me, I'll watch the two minute highlight package and see the amazing dunks because that's all there really is to see. And I mean, it's 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 such a watered down game. It is. And um, I'd like to take this moment to talk about all All Star games and all the sports. Um, when you compare some of them, they're, they're, I mean, this one's similar to the Pro Bowl in the nfl the pro bowl is terrible yeah it is awful to watch though the this pro bowl this last year half the time they're not even taking people to the ground they're getting to them putting hands on them and the refs are blowing the whistle and again i get it we don't want these guys to get hurt but then don't play the game if that's the only concern. legitimate game is the baseball one and you know, you that, know the hockey yeah. one's fun but they do a lot of crazy stuff that mixes it up every year so it's hard to keep track of what the yeah. rules are and they're doing three on three um, I, I mean, I almost I'm ready for him to scrap all these, you know, just yeah. just just dump them. It's not worth it. Baseball's baseball. You got to throw the ball over the plate. Give me a give me a midseason NBA tournament instead. So that is something they've been talking about. Um, they are talking about shortening the season to like 60 games, having a 32 team tournament where you play round robin and then play. And that would be uh, basically January through February. Um, it's 30 in the NBA, right? 30. 30, 30, 30 yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's really an interesting idea, which would probably be a lot more fun. Um, the All-Star game is just awful. Yeah, it's not any fun. Not any fun. So, you know, that's it for our NBA All-Star coverage. It's um, There are some fun events. It's going to be enjoyable on Saturday night. Um, yeah. You know, if you want to tail me, jump on Buddy Heald in the three-point contest. Jump on uh, Jason Tatum in the in the skills competition and i and i really like um i really like beverly in the skills challenge because i think you're yeah. getting a big a big uh chunk of money back on a guy who's one of the most talented guys in the nba so there are two options out there for you if you want to fire on the skills challenge so um let's move on to a little nfl quarterback carousel talk here yeah um a I'm, changing of the guard no doubt and i want to we mentioned Sal Capaccio's tweet earlier tonight in the podcast. I want to give you his rundown really quick of, of what he gave out as the top, the 32 projected quarterbacks for him. 
Let's hear it. So, we'll start. The Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen. No-brainer. The Miami Dolphins, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Up in the air. <laughs> the New England Patriots, Andy Dalton. Ugh, I would love for that. <laughs> you and me both, brother. New York Jets, Sam Darnold. Yeah. Baltimore Ravens, Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Cincinnati Bengals, Joe Burrow. Sounds sounds normal. Browns, Baker Mayfield. Yep. Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger. Yep. Texans, Deshaun Watson. Yeah. I think Colt. He's, he's doing good so far. Colts, Jacoby Brissett. I, I'm i interested to see if they can lure someone there. If you're, mm-hmm. and we'll get into it a little bit later, but if you're a, one of these veteran quarterbacks who's being pushed out, isn't that a great place so to it's, go? It, it's my, it'd be my favorite spot it to go. It would be a great place to be. Yeah. First of all, you're not getting hit. Right. <laughs> yeah. Keep going. Um, Jaguars, Nick Foles. Yeah. Titans, Ryan Tannehill. Mm-hmm. Broncos, Drew Locke. Ugh. I think they're they're pretty much locked in. <laughs> ah. You made me sneeze with that nonsense. That was, that was good. Terrible. Awful. That was good. Chiefs, uh, Matt Moore. <laughs> Kidding. Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> Chargers, Cam Newton. Interesting I landing spot there. I don't know if Cam's actually going to leave Carolina. I think it makes sense for him to leave, yeah. I think, at the time. But I, I, don't, I don't know. Raiders, Tom Brady. Cowboy. We'd, we'd still have to play Brady. <laughs> <laughs> Cowboys, Dak Prescott. Yeah. Giants, Daniel Jones. Yeah. Eagles, Carson Wentz. Redskins, Dwayne Haskins. I think that division stays the same. Yeah. All four starting quarterbacks. Uh, Bears, Marcus Mariota. Is he any different than Trubisky? Like, no. What are we talking no. about here? <laughs> no. You're you're no. just Mitch Trubisky has more upside at this point. Yeah. What, I mean, why? You, you have a guy who can throw the ball and a guy who can run the ball, and neither of them do either right. one very why? well. What? What? What are you doing? Yeah. Lions, Matt Stafford. So, we'll get to it again later. But a report just came out that it seems like he's on the outs in Detroit yeah, too. I know. So, yeah. Uh, Packers, Aaron Rodgers, Vikings, Kirk Cousins, Falcons, Matt Ryan. Panthers, Derek Carr. Be yeah. an interesting swap for them, you know, bringing Derek Carr yeah. instead of uh, instead of Cam Newton. That, that would be very interesting. Yeah. Um, Saints, Drew Brees, Buccaneers, Philip Rivers. He's moved his family to Florida, according to all these reports. So, I mean, uh, are you better off with Philip Rivers than Jameis Winston? No, you're not. Especially since Winston finally got LASIK and can see, which might help. Yeah, well, you know, we'll we'll see what the uh, determination is here on that. But um, Jameis Winston did have LASIK surgery today. Uh, he's not on this list of 32 starters. Um, oh. And that was the first thing that Sal commented on. He said, I understand I have Jameis not on this list, and he's probably better than Marcus Mariota. He's probably better than... Several of these Ten guys. Ten of these guys. Yeah. yeah. Um, Cardinals, Kyler Murray, Rams, Jared Goff, 49ers, Garoppolo, and Seahawks, Russell yeah, Wilson. So, yeah, that's all the same. So, you know, the change is really going to be uh, NFC South has uh, the potential to change Panthers and Buccaneers at quarterback. Yeah. Um, AFC West, Chargers and Raiders. That's where a lot of the transition seems to be. Yeah. Um, and then you got the Bengals out there. They're probably going to bring in Burrow. Um, the Colts, who knows? Do they stand pat with Brissett? That 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 South division is really in flux. Yeah. It, it, you know, Texans, Colts, Jaguars, Titans. 
which of those quarterbacks, Texans, Deshaun Watson, is the only one that you're, golden, yeah. you're solid on. I find – so this is what I – you know, the changing of the guard is how I say it. Like, So we have Tom Brady, free agent, can go pretty much everywhere, anywhere he wants he can go. Um, you got Phillip Rivers being told he's not coming back to the Chargers. Does, he wants to play still. He'll find a new home. Somebody will bring him in. Um, Drew Brees is still up in the air. He says he's not going to make a decision till March. I mean, which really... And is Chatty Bridgewater really going to sit behind him another year? Uh, yeah. With Taysom Hill sitting there saying that he deserves to be a starting quarterback in the yeah. NFL? Which, I, I, that's another cup of coffee. I'm not sure he's... Stay doing what you're doing because you're, you're adding value right now. Yeah. Um, and then Matt Stafford... But in the same respect, get your money, son. Whatever <laughs> yeah, you got to do yeah, to get, get your money. money. For sure. Get paid while you can get paid, for sure. Yeah. But then you got you got this report out of Detroit that they think Matt Stafford's time has come there and they're wanting to move on and they're willing to eat some of that cap to do it. Um, I don't think that that's a bad idea for them. I think they should have got rid of their head coach, but we've covered that. So let me, let me ask you, this scenario just came to my head. Say that the lions are looking to move Stafford and they're going to draft Tua. Right, because they do have the third pick. Yeah, and, and I'm a Dolphins fan. I want the Dolphins to get Tua, but if they can't, do the Dolphins look to bring in Stafford and draft Herbert or to sit any, behind yeah, him? Or any of these guys. Yeah, any of these guys. I mean, and, there's and draft, a lot of options. And draft a, a guy like Justin Herbert or a guy like Jordan Love um, and, and sit behind and, and, and learn and develop. I think if you're the Dolphins, you already have the guy you want them to sit behind and that's Fitzpatrick. He's not going to cost you a lot of money. He still allows you to go out and add to the, the rest of the team without spending money or spending draft capital. Um, so I think, honestly, you, you probably have that guy in place already. How much better are you going to learn from Stafford than Fitzpatrick? I mean, Well, you're not, right? but you're, you're going to add some excitement and, and put more asses Listen, in seats. And, there's and nothing more, than, more exciting than a Ryan Fitzpatrick-led team because you're going to win games that you shouldn't win, and you're going to lose games that you should win, Yeah, and you never know. Yeah. And you're going to score 30 a game. Yeah. <laughs> but it, that's how that works. I love it. I mean, yeah. it's fun for if you're me. Gonna, if your team's mediocre roster, you're hoping for Ryan Fitzpatrick to show up and just – at least make the season entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot to be, to be settled here. And, um, I think maybe, um, a couple weeks, maybe we'll, we'll revisit this and see. There's a lot of things in the air. It's great. I've never seen anything like this where almost a third of the league could change starting quarterbacks. And a lot of them have Super Bowl rings, have accolades for the last 10, 15 years. I mean, you can think Brady breeze, Rivers, Stafford, Newton, Dalton, yeah. all these guys could be on the move this year. Yeah. Um, so it, it should be very interesting. I mean, we didn't mention Dak Prescott, but he could be on the move. Yeah, word, I is, think that's word not is that likely. they're working out a long-term deal yeah. right now. I don't think it's as likely as the others, but it's, it's one of those possibilities. It's out there. Yeah. So um, a, lot, a lot to be determined. You know, we're going to have a lot of NFL coverage over the next month, month and a half as we lead to free agency and yes. uh, that end of the draft. Scouting uh, combine's coming up. Tom and I are both digging in, looking at draft prospects, preparing ourselves for that live draft that we're going to do. Um, we're anticipating the launch of our new website here in the next uh, week or so. Um, we are also 
we're growing guys we're we're growing we're we're up to um you know we're, we're about i would say 150 percent of where we were uh three podcasts ago yeah so as we continue to grow and people continue to listen and like our facebook page and uh listen to our podcast more fun stuff is coming down the line um we've got some ideas about some live shows somewhere recording a podcast live maybe getting some of us together um i'm excited about where we're headed with this thing guys i mean we had some preliminary ideas about numbers in our head about like what we wanted to see over the course of time and all of a sudden we're growing guys and and that's because that's because of you sharing it liking it and it's just growing organically and i absolutely love it and i i couldn't be having more fun than i'm having right now yeah, it's, it's going to be a great ride. You can kind of see already where it is starting to climb. And you, you know those things, that you, you climb a little bit, and then the next step is happens twice as fast, and the next step happens twice as fast. So, you know, we're, we're definitely starting that journey, and it's been fun already. And I'm really excited to see it ramp up here as we, we get in more of a, of a routine. We get in more of listener activity. Um, I think the website's going to be huge for your ability to tell us what you want, um, the ability to email us directly and say, hey, talk about this. I want to know what you guys think about this. I, so I think that's going to be the, uh, the big next step to take this podcast up. Well, and, and, and one thing that I can tell you for sure is this week I'm working to get us up on um, the uh, Apple Podcasts so, yes. that, so that you can, you can hit us up on iTunes. Um, you know, and, and that is a place where you can rate and subscribe to our podcast and make a huge difference for us. Um, I, I think that these, these are places where I'm going to continue to try to grow it from that side of things. Um, I want to make it more available and more friendly to everyone to listen to. Um, but I'm so excited. I, I really couldn't be more thankful for, uh, those of you that are supporting us. Um, please give us more interaction though, guys hit us up on Twitter, um, at hammered underscore sports. We're constantly tweeting stuff out. That's, um, you know, related to the podcast, um, we want we, we like. want to do more we want to do more with that though yeah and we need your interaction to do that i can tell you that tom and i both have access to that twitter page and the moment that we get a message we'll be responding we're it's going to be a 100 percent response rate same thing with facebook you have a question you want us to put something on the podcast hit us up we're gonna do it yeah uh you know we're we're, we're always looking at lines and angles for games and you know we uh, I'm a big fan of the DraftKings. I do a lot of um, PGA DraftKings. Been doing awesome at that this year. Um, UFC fights. I mean, there's a card this weekend. It's not that exciting. I will have you know a bunch of lineups in for DraftKings. Yeah. Um, so you know we're talking about maybe tweeting some of those out um, so you can see what our lineups are and see what you like and if you want to follow along with that as well. Yeah, and, and the fa- the uh, Facebook page is gonna get some more activity with some stuff like that. Um, the Twitter page, I, I cannot encourage you enough to, to jump on Twitter when it comes to sports, um, podcasts and, and information. Um, it's a, it's a great place to interact. Um, I'm excited to continue this journey. Um, so at hammered underscore sports on Twitter, hammered sports on Facebook. We're available on Spotify and SoundCloud right now at K gray junior 99 at tabby 11 T a B B E Y 11. And uh, hit us up. Uh, So excited to continue this journey, guys. Uh, Thanks again for listening. And let's get some more winners. What do you say, Tom? Cash those winners. We'll see you next week.